I'm Chara Santilli. I was born with ambition. My parents were entrepreneurs and I pushed myself to be high school valedictorian, class president, most artistic, and most likely to succeed. The summer I turned 19, we celebrated my dad's 50th birthday with a hot air balloon ride. A crash landing left him with a broken neck, me with a broken heart, and my mom coping through alcohol. My relentless ambition helped me become a successful entrepreneur, yet my own private paralysis and overachiever addiction ruled me. I finally ventured on a quest for my best life. I found the path of my inner peace, how to stay on it and how to show the way for others. Now it's your turn. Ready to take that load off your shoulders? Join me so you can cherish your life. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you something important about the episode itself. So I recorded this episode yesterday, and I want to be honest and tell you that I had some doubts after recording it of whether or not I should release it as it was, and or should I re-record part of it, because I got a bit emotional during a few parts of it, one in particular, and I've gotten emotional in some other podcasts I've released, and I have shared a lot of big pieces and, and of my story, and today I'm sharing another big piece that I've not yet talked about, and I didn't expect to get as emotional about it while doing the recording because I've been able to talk about this in front of people, two people before without getting emotional because it's something that happened 10 years ago. And yet, it is big and significant and heavy for me. And grief in any form or in all its forms, the way it shows up is sometimes when we don't expect it, oftentimes, usually, to be honest, and not always when it's quote unquote convenient. And I decided to release it as it is because I think there's a bigger related message to this in that part of the reason I spent many of my adult years being overly busy is because I was avoiding feeling my feelings. And if you are following me, then you know the work that I do is about moving from busy to balanced, is about learning how to navigate life and change it so that we are feeling our feelings and not afraid to let the emotions move through us. And that is really important because then we can live the lives we really want to live. We can Stop saying yes to all the things we don't really want to do and start saying yes to the things we are secretly just longing to do. So if you are like me and have trouble getting out of your head and it takes effort to really get in touch with your heart and express your emotions, then I want to show you that it's possible to do that 
and be okay with it. And here I am in all my emotional glory in this, uh, in a few little parts of this episode today. I want you to know it's safe to feel your feelings and until you give yourself permission to do so, you are really constricting your life and the freedom that you will feel as you allow your emotions to move through you, as you're honest with other people about what you're going through and what you're feeling is what will give you the freedom to move forward and create the best life possible for yourself. And oh, by the way, 10 years after something happens, just because you're in a much better space and life may be truly wonderful in so many ways, doesn't mean that you won't have feelings of sadness and and that's okay. That's part of this experience. And I think it's part of a balanced life is to be okay with the feelings when they come up. So now let's dive in. A few weeks ago, I hosted a monthly masterclass for my Busy to Balanced program members. And since this one was for December, I had them do some reflection exercises to wrap up the year, as well as some planning exercises for 2023 that I find to be much more supportive and empowering than creating New Year's resolutions. I was thrilled to receive this really sweet voice memo from one of my members saying that the class was outstanding. And so I wanted to just take a quick moment here to let you know that um, you can join the wait list to be the first to hear about when I open the doors again for Busy to Balanced um, so that you can take advantage of not only the core course that's a six-week program, but also the ongoing monthly masterclasses that I host inside of it because they're really, really great. So if you want to join in the waitlist on that, you can go to cherisyourlife.com forward slash balance to sign up. Okay, so during this month's masterclass, as part of one of the reflection exercises, just one part of one exercises out of many we did, I asked them to reflect back to 10 years ago to 2012. I find it's much easier to notice the big shifts in your life when you look at bigger spans of time. 2012 happened to be a very pivotal year for me, so I thought I'd take some time today to share with you more about that year. In my show intro, I mention a point in my life when I finally went on a quest for my best life. Well, 2012 is the year I embarked on that quest. I love the word quest, and I use it now as I look back over the past 10 years, yet when I first really got into the thick of this part of my journey, I did not think of it as a quest, and it certainly didn't feel exciting or adventurous. For a long time, it felt like I was slogging through mud, and at moments, it felt like I was in quicksand, sinking deeper and deeper into murky depths of my life. Sounds a little dramatic, but I have to be honest, it's, it's how it felt at times. I wonder if you can relate. So by 2012, I had done 15 years of therapy that had helped me immensely in the aftermath of my family's hot air balloon accident. But 
there were a lot of other kinds of personal healing work I had yet to explore, and that, quite honestly, I didn't even know existed (laughs) until they started cropping up along my journey. So at the beginning of 2012, I completed the development of a new software product through a marketing company that I had founded. The product was a digital marketing display for orthodontists to use on TV screens in their reception areas. My husband is an orthodontist, and I had been doing marketing for orthodontists for over 10 years at that point. The launch of this product was hugely successful. We debuted it at an industry trade show, and we were really the buzz of the show. Seeing all the hard work pay off was super exciting and really gratifying. Yet those feelings didn't last for long. The truth is that these external accomplishments don't bring us lasting inner satisfaction. But I really didn't understand that at the time. I remember being in a funk and not knowing why. At the time, I chalked it up to a sort of postpartum depression. Although I didn't have children, I imagined that maybe that might be similar to how I felt since I just birthed a product. Then a friend and colleague invited me to join her at a business event that was outside of my niche. It was set up to support entrepreneurs in all types of industries. A few days into the event, we were networking with some people out on the balcony outside the main foyer. And at some point, I ended up sharing my story the, the story of my family's hot air balloon accident with someone I just met. His name was Paul, which serendipitously is also my dad's name. And after hearing our story, Paul could clearly understand why my dad had been paralyzed for nearly 20 years because of the accident. But then he t- looked at me and he asked me, Cheris, why are you paralyzed? This question, especially coming from someone named Paul, totally cracked me open. I mean, whoo, little watery eyes right now, remembering back. The tears flowed, and I, I honestly, I really didn't know what to say. I don't even remember the end of the conversation. I do remember walking slowly, almost as if I was in a trance to my room and crawling into bed that night. I was really slow to get around the next morning. And I remember details of that day, like few others. I mean, serious details. It was like things were in slow motion. I remember exactly how I did my hair. I wore it down with soft curls. I I think I wanted the softness around my face to sort of soothe me. I remember what clothes I chose that day. It was a comfortable cow neck top with a magenta and white and black paisley pattern and a long sleeve, soft black sweater that tied at the waist with my favorite black slacks. I remember walking down the hall from my room toward the conference rooms and someone saying hi to me and asking if I saw the keynote speaker that morning. I said, no, I had missed it. This guy was so amped up. He went on to say that The keynote speaker was incredible, and she had this powerful story about her family. Well, later that day, I was in the foyer during break time, and I remember seeing that morning's speaker, who was Rhonda Britton, across the room, and I remember beelining straight toward her. I briefly introduced myself to her and then said 
that I'd missed her talk and that someone told me she had a family story I should hear. She proceeded to tell me how she was the sole witness to her parents' murder-suicide when she was 14 years old. Her dad killed her mother and then killed himself in front of her. And now she was a life coach and the founder of Fearless Living. I didn't really know what life coaching was or what Fearless Living was. What I saw in Rhonda was someone who had overcome serious trauma and had found peace. The prior night had totally cracked me open and I suddenly was feeling some desperation around needing and wanting to feel better. It was like I was totally exposed. I felt stuck and I wanted to feel better. So I asked her how I could work with her and I quickly became a private client. At that time, I had no idea I'd be enrolling in her coach certification program seven years later to become a coach myself, and that 10 years later, I'd be sharing about this day on my own podcast. Heck, I didn't even know what podcasting was 10 years ago. But back to 2012, there was another life-changing experience that year. Just six months later, I got a phone call from my dad. He was really upset and he could barely get his words out. And he tells me that my mom, while heavily intoxicated, tried to load my grandpa's pistol in an attempt to commit suicide. I, I don't remember the exact words he used. I mean, he did not say it that way, but that was what had happened. My dad was the only person there with her at the time. And since he was paralyzed in a wheelchair, he wasn't able to physically stop her. He was able to get to a phone and get someone there to stop her, but you can only imagine how completely terrifying this would be for anyone to witness, let alone if you're physically unable to stop the person. And it was terrifying for me to hear about it. I jumped on the first flight out of California to my hometown in southeastern Washington state. And by the time I arrived, my mom had been taken to a facility where she would be monitored for a few days as she detoxed. They agreed to release her to me when I suggested she come stay with me for a little while. This was one of the scariest times of my life. I mean, truly, like second only to the hot air balloon accident. And I can only imagine what it was like for my father. I mean, I could barely function myself. So I didn't have the capacity to comfort him in any way. I also had to stay at a friend's house because it was in my parents' guest room where mom had tried to load the gun and I couldn't fathom sleeping in that room. I remember making a ton of phone calls to both my therapist and my coach to help me navigate through this crisis. And the best guidance I got at the time was super simple because that's often the best, isn't it? Especially when we're overwhelmed. And those words of wisdom were to take one step at a time. I flew my mom and I and her small dog back to my home in Northern California, and she stayed in our guest room for a few weeks. During that time, we had another scare when I had to call an ambulance and rush mom to the hospital. 
It had something to do with reactions she had to the meds they gave her to help with detoxing. I was able to get her into a rehab facility that was about an hour away from me. This was the second time I'd gotten her into rehab over the years. She was very willing to go and she stayed there for the full 30 days. Then I found a nearby sober living house where she could live with some other women in recovery for a few months and be able to even have her dog with her. I knew my mom's liver couldn't handle her drinking anymore. She'd recently had four years where she was sober and I'd flown to meet her a few times per year at a medical center in Seattle where they were monitoring her liver function. They were very clear that if she drank again, she'd be done with. So I was desperately trying to set her up for success with staying sober. And it was encouraged for people to not just go back to their current lives, but instead stay in a sober living environment for a few months to establish new habits after rehab. My mom gave the sober living house a try, but it was short-lived. Within a few weeks, she was convinced that she was ready to go home and that she now had new skills and she would be okay and not drink again. I was not convinced. I was so scared and truly devastated because... I knew this was the beginning of the end. Oh, let me gather myself. My gut and my heart knew that she would drink again soon and that her body couldn't handle it. I could not stand by and watch that happen. So I made an excruciatingly painful decision to distance myself from her. As hard as that was for me to do, I knew that I could not handle watching her drink herself to death. So I told her I needed needed to uh, distance myself. I relied on therapy and coaching and Al-Anon meetings for the next seven months. If you aren't familiar with Al-Anon, it's modeled after Alcoholics Anonymous, but it is for family members and friends of alcoholics. It follows the same 12-step program and has regular meetings all over the place. I would go to a few meetings each week. I even got my own sponsor. I found out that mom did start drinking again, and it was only a matter of months before I got a call that her health was deteriorating. I reconnected with her and went for a visit while she was still able to walk. And then a few months after that, I spent the last month of her life with her in hospice right before she passed away on Thanksgiving Day of 2013. The time with her during that final month was really special and really one hell of an experience too. I'll share more about that in a future episode sometime. But back to 2012. After sharing all of that with you, all the big heavy stuff that showed up for me in 2012, I can't help (laughs) but need to take a deep breath and let out a big sigh right now. While that was one of the most challenging years of my life, I can look back now 
and acknowledge myself for how I got through it. I can acknowledge myself for how that was the year I found a path for my own recovery and healing. And I can also look back and find the gifts and the opportunities that came from all the shitty moments. If I could go back in a time machine, well, and since I was an 80s kid, I can't help but picture jumping into the DeLorean with Doc from Back to the Future. So let's let's go with that visual, okay? So what would I tell my 2012 self as I was going through all of these big, heavy things? You know what? I wouldn't say anything much different than what was said to me by others that year. I don't think I was ready for more than that. I was ready to take one step at a time as I started to scratch the surface of why I was emotionally paralyzed. Right now, I can picture the 2022 me walking into the room as 2012 me was spinning in circles. And I can picture stopping her and giving her a big hug and telling her, you're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. You wouldn't believe what is waiting for you in 10 years. Just keep taking deep breaths and keep taking one step at a time. So now I invite you to look back at your life 10 years ago and imagine what you'd say to that 2012 version of you. And what would you love to hear from the 2032 version of you? How about you envision her walking over to you right now and giving you a big hug and telling you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. Just keep taking deep breaths and keep taking one step at a time. My closing quote for today is by Mandy Hale. 10 years from now, make sure you say that you chose your life. You didn't settle for it. I hope you're enjoying my Cherish Your Life podcast. If this is supporting you in any way, please review, subscribe, and share it with friends and family. You can follow me on social media at Cheris Your Life, and my website is CherisYourLife.com. Yep, my name's unique. Here's an easy tip for you to pronounce and spell it. It's like the city, Paris, but with a CH. Special thanks to my dear friend, Paul Suyelgis, who enhanced and mixed the musical track. Little did we know back in college in the 90s, while my then boyfriend, now husband, and I listened to Paul riff on his guitar that he'd be helping me decades later give a creative touch to something called a podcast.